0: It's Animation Celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. His strength is a legend, his skills conquer all. With
1: him at our side, we never will fall. Micah! And Matsu is just unimpressive. (laughs) That's me. Here on Animation Celery, we give each other cartoons to watch each and every week and then come back and talk about them. We looked at a few shorts today. We got a Yogi Bear thing, Booby Trapped Bear. We got Oggie Doggy and Doggy Daddy with Pops and Nature Pup. And then we got Woody Woodpecker, Dopey Dick the White Whale, and Tom and Jerry, Dickie Moe. But before we talk about those, let's just talk about something else. What would you like to talk about, Micah? Oh, so
0: much. Um, All right. We'll do a follow-up on last week when we were ha- talking about Battle Beasts. Right. Oh. That property has been carried forward. Oh? It's been iterated as Beast Saga. Huh. Um, it's Japan only, So, but a whole deal where there's toys and a cartoon and so on. Right. Uh, and there's a game based around these figurines. So they're oh. slightly bigger than the old Battle Beasts. Mm. And into their chests, you socket a six-sided die. Oh. Yeah. When you do so, it pushes a plunger out their back so that when you press that plunger, it fires the die out from them. Oh. Yeah, um, Yeah. There aren't fully translated rules for the game yet. But from what I've seen, it looks like not that great a game, really. <laughs> and I bet that if you played it a lot, that you would just... Uh, skip over the conceit of loading the dice in and then popping them out. <laughs> you, you just roll them by hand by the time you're
1: playing your fifth game of the day or whatever, right? Well, maybe us refined tabletop gamers might, but small children might be into the
0: launching process. Sure, sure. Much as the uh, back in the day, they were furiously rub at the chests of their battle beasts to compare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, you only do that. You can only do that so much where you're like, no, this one's water. I've done this a million times. This one is definitely water. Well, you know, they came in uh, each came
0: in each rub symbol. So like there's 80 figurines, but really there were sort of
1: over 200. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, once you have one, like if I bought one and I rubbed it and it's like, oh, this uh, this uh, deer man is fire. I mean, from then on, it's just like you wouldn't.
0: Take a gamble. It would be it's a like, bummer to get another one that was the same mine's symbol. Mine's fire.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, but also just playing. You'd be like, oh, this one's fire. Trust me. Okay. Like, I wonder how quickly kids would give up on the rubbing part. Hmm.
0: Anyway, so I, I did that. Um. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, for anyone that was worried for me because the next animated JoJo's isn't until December, I found a spinoff series Ooh. called So Spoke Rohan Kishibe or Kishibe. Anyway, uh, he's like a secondary character with the way overpowered abilities, and the premise of this story is that he's he's a comic creator, and hey. in doing his research, he goes all over the place, and uh, he's he, he tells of his uh, journeys. Essentially, it's this character telling a ghost story each episode. Okay, and it gives that that kind of narrative that only Jojos can give. So the the first one. He's telling the story of a uh, laborer who is approached by a. I'm, I guess I'm I spoiled this lightly, right? I've spoiled the the setup at least. Okay. Um, he's approached by a laborer who, or approached rather by a beggar who uh, begs him for food, and he's yep. like insulted by the idea because you know I work hard for this food. So he cruelly demands that the beggar lit, tote all of his. uh, uh, sacks of grain for him into the storehouse. Okay. And the laborers like uh, he's uncertain because he hasn't eaten in five days, but that's <laughs> also the same reason why he decides he's got to do it, and he ends up dying trying to do it. <laughs> and it imme- sounds like an
1: Aesop's fable.
0: Yeah, yeah. He he immediately comes back as a vengeful ghost though, uh, and like promises him that he'll he'll get him back when he's at his happiest moment. <laughs> and so like setting that up. The guy then just has a streak of wild good luck where he becomes rich and, you know, he, he gets married, has a daughter. And um, it's then where he's like, he's playing with his daughter that the, the ghost comes back and possesses his daughter <laughs> and says, OK, I've, I, as I promised, I've come back to kill you now. But you know what? Um, I'd feel guilty if I just did it, you know, if I just killed you. So let's give you a, a chance. So he's got like a bag of uh, like a snack bag of popcorn (laughs) and tells him that (laughs) on his command, he has to do three consecutive throws of a piece of popcorn higher than the lamppost and catch it in his mouth. (laughs) Otherwise, he'll cut off his head. And uh, this guy is almost as brilliant as a Jojo (laughs) to the (laughs) degrees and tactics he goes in order to uh, overcome... Every challenge catching that popcorn represents. (laughs) It's neat. It's like you don't get that anywhere else. No, you don't. That's 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 a whimsical kind of torture. Yeah. (laughs) Um boy, I got a lot of a lot of news this week. Okay. I watched the uh first Marvel What If. You know this series?
1: Oh, I saw that, but like the the title of it I think involved a character that I wasn't familiar with, so I just kind of went, okay. Yeah, so uh,
0: for Stalkers, the Marvel What Ifs are in continuity with the movies and their recent TV series, but uh, they're animated. And as their title suggests, they are uh, hypothetical storylines. So this first one is, what if Agent Peggy Carter had gotten the super soldier serum instead of uh, Steve, not Steve Trevor, um, Steve Rogers uh huh,
1: different Captain America. Yeah, um, recast and I, as a lady. Let's remember that point. Yeah, I, I
0: mean, she's an existing character in the in the thing, but uh, um, it's the 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 look of the show is pretty good, I think, uh, the designs and such. But I don't think that it fits exactly. With, well, I don't know. I'm 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 a little ambivalent towards the. Uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe at this point because it's so bloated. Yeah, you know, all these properties get that way when they get so big. They've made enough mistakes where you kind of, you know, the
1: there's the the bloom is off the rose, you know. Yeah, I held off on watching a lot of them because, like, I was like, okay, before I watch this, I should probably catch up. But then it just got so many that like, right, it became like the prospect of catching up became impossible. Like, I've seen, I've seen Iron Man. I've seen the okay. first Guardian. I've seen the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, I think I've seen like the last half of the first Captain America movie and the second Captain America movie. I think I've seen them both. Um, mm. Both because my memory of them is both on a plane, and so mm. I'm wondering if I actually saw them both or if I'm just thinking of one. But I feel like I remember
0: seeing his origin story. The first one mostly takes place during World War II. Hmm. And the second one is a uh, a modern kind of political thriller kind of thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Was that? Yeah. And I think there was something about a computer. I don't know. Whatever. The point is I'm lost.
0: Hmm. Well, they're okay, And this this fits into that same thing we're talking about with uh he-man or not he-man sorry masters of the universe revelation Mm. and how i likened to it to being how uh, dc comics reiterate so often that nothing matters right this this was novel once upon a time these what ifs you know what if this guy died and that guy died but now i've seen it enough that it's got no meaning to me that this or that happens in these things
1: Yeah, I mean, there's two things that I'm thinking. One, this kind of harkens back to old comics where there'd be like, you know, there'd be some kind of clickbait cover of like Batman about to murder Robin. And it turns out that it's some kind of alternate reality story of some kind. Mm. Um, And the other thing is just that Disney wants as much
0: Marvel content as they can get. Right, right. Push their brand because they can't make a million uh, live action TV series. Yeah. Um. I guess my overall verdict for that was I probably won't make it like a ritual to watch these. Mm. I'll probably skip them as often as I watch. Um, But the the thing I've said for last is the real meat. We finished watching Centaur World. Yay. Yeah. And I'll say uh, from last week, it was almost comedic the way that I premised uh, for Centaur World that... I semi-didn't like it, but the one thing, the one thing (laughs) that I really like is that realistically drawn horse. Without that realistically drawn horse, I don't know what I would key on to. Boy, I was
1: biting my tongue. (laughs) (laughs) And spoilers might be coming up, anybody who hasn't watched this yet. Yeah, we'll spoil some stuff. Uh, So,
0: yes, uh, a horse gets a little toony at times. (laughs) Actually, she
1: gets a lot toony. Yeah. I In think. It's, I mean, I think. I think it was. You said that you would watch the first four episodes. I think it last was that. week. Yeah. Um. And I knew that the fifth episode was where it started. Yeah. <laughs> well, tamely though,
0: right? Yeah. Like she could have gone cartoony, <laughs> but <laughs> I think she's more cartoony than anyone else. She's so blobby. Yeah. Like the other uh, characters have form to them, and she's just. Even when you look, her eyes aren't bound to her head. <laughs> yeah. And the far one sometimes is larger than the near one. <laughs> yeah. And it, it comes in like a conflicting episode. So the one that you watched again and again, right? The um or at least twice anyway. Johnny T Times B Best Competition. A quest for the Sash. Yeah. Yeah. So there's uh a performative musical number it's it's like a, a talent show yeah um and horse in all her realistically drawn glory has an incredible number singing and they uh, her her dancing is like sexy human you know pivoting on the floor and stuff but yeah she's wearing like huge boots with high heels yeah con- but it converted to like a horse's anatomy so very impressive yeah and there's another like little thing that I found really impressive on her close-ups.
1: Her eyelashes were drawn as false eyelashes. Well, yeah, like right before she went out, uh, Zulius kind of blew some makeup on her face. I know, but
0: like I have to look at it again to figure out how you draw that. Yeah, how you draw them as falsies. But right. Anyway, aside from me uh, fawning over a horse. Hmm. Um. This cartoon, as it goes along, takes a real adult turn. Yeah, it does. I mean, there's a plot that is uh,
1: uh, a metaphor for suicide. Yeah, there is. Very much. That same episode also features um, Wama Winks, sexual proclivities.
0: Uh, Yes, and a merman body pillow.
1: yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and a sunfish mermaid man correcting her, the pictures, the many, many pictures she's drawn of hunky merman laying eggs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which she seems to enjoy quite a lot. And he has to correct her. Actually, the eggs come from here and moves her eye slightly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this is still probably meant for kids, kind of, yeah. but yeah. it pushes boundaries there. A little bit. The um, there's a My Little Pony episode that has a body pillow as well. Mm. This is just like a joke that I guess they think flies under the radar (laughs) or maybe it does with sensors. I don't know. I think probably a lot of little kids at least get the idea that you're kind of desperate for companionship. And that's why you'd have one of these things.
1: Maybe. I don't know. Maybe they maybe they just think it's a the thing is. If you saw it once, maybe you just think it was a funny picture, but thinking about the number of cartoons where, like, I can think of off the top of my head, at least three Mm. that have these body pillows in them. And I I feel like if a kid saw them enough, they'd Mm. start to go, well, wait a minute. This keeps coming up. This isn't just a joke that the writers of Centaur World made. This seems to be like a thing. Hmm. Probably these
0: old shorts that we look at, though, are, have way dirtier
1: stuff in them when you think about it. Oh, probably. Yeah. I mean, there's you can find YouTube clips of like there's one that's like Tex Avery's famous or favorite running gag. And it's like of the stripping animals. Yes. <laughs> 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 the number of strippers that show up in those old cartoons. Man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one I never understood
0: is uh, Bugs Bunny does this. He might, he might exclusively do this where he's got a huge ring of keys and the joke is that he can't find the right key while somebody needs to get out, right? Mm, Yeah. And so he's flipping, it's like, ah, it's the garage and he's flipping. And then he comes to one key that he stops and goes, oh, what the (laughs) heck is that key supposed to be? (laughs) Is it like a boudoir or something or? That's
1: a good question. Maybe that's something from... 40s and 50s culture that is lost on us now.
0: Yeah, probably pretty dirty, I yeah. imagine. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so that long list is my week that was. Okay. What you got, Mazzy?
1: So last week I said that I watched three increasingly good cartoons. Yeah. And I started with the one that I thought was the top, which was Centaur World, mm-hmm. which means that now we have to go down one step. To the cartoon that I thought was great and I still think is great. Mm. It was just kind of outshone by Centaur World. But still, you know, don't let that take it away because it's still a good it was it was I was really excited to talk about this cartoon. And then I watched Centaur World and that kind of derailed my priorities. But Mm. now that Centaur World's out of the way, I'm excited to talk about this one. And there's a reason for everything that I've done over this last week. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Because I watched Jellystone. Oh, okay. Have you seen this? No, but is it uh, Hanna-Barbera then, I would assume? Yes. Okay. So, do you know anything about this? No. Okay, let me explain what it is: it takes a whole fleet of classic Hanna-Barbera characters, sort of headlined by Yogi, Boo Boo, and Cindy Bear. Okay. Um, and puts them all in a fictional town called Jellystone, where they all live. Ah, and it's got a d- different art style. You know, you'll probably Google it and see it and go, "Oh." Um, Sounds like but, the Looney Tunes show,
0: kind of. Um, I guess well, it's I mean, sort of. They they put all these characters into one town, and
1: it's make sort them of interact that way. Yeah, except that you know there an a. The Looney Tunes have a, you know, there's a, this is like it's rebooting all these properties as if they were all always together. OK, Um, it, you could draw a parallel to Harvey Birdman in a way. Hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, like I said, the 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 core, the headliner, although, you know, it's not like all the cartoons are about Yogi, Boo Boo and Cindy. Like there's okay. different cartoons about different characters, and in fact, it uh, it as it goes on, it pivots more and more towards the trio of Augie Doggy, Yakki Doodle, and Shag Rug. Okay. But so here's the things. Let's see. Um, in this cartoon, Yogi and Cindy are doctors in the hospital, and uh, Boo Boo is their nurse. Okay. Huckleberry Hound is the mayor. Snagglepuss is a TV personality. Um, Magilla Gorilla runs a store that sells bow ties, which is staffed by Jabberjaw and Loopy DeLoop. Okay. Uh, Top Cat and his gang do what Top Cat and his gang do. Uh, Squiddly Diddly runs a music store. Uh, all, uh, Daddy Doggy, and he's Daddy Doggy in this, not Doggy Daddy. Oh, okay. uh, seems to run a lighthouse, although he is most of his attention is on Augie. Now, here's the fun thing about this show. I mean, there's a lot to like about it, and I will get to the things that I like about it. But here's one of my favorite things about it. Mm-hmm. You know how you have things like, for example, Captain America, and they'll reboot Captain America as a female character, as we just discussed. Okay. Or they'll, you know, they'll have some property and they'll turn one character from male to female and then everyone in the Internet loses their minds about it. Okay. This show drinks the tears. (laughs) Okay. There are, and I'm not even sure if this is a complete list, but this is just what I got off the top of my head. There are 14 characters in this show that have been changed to female. There
0: aren't a lot of females anyway.
1: Well, the there end. aren't. That's yeah. that's part of the reason why. But here is the list. All of these classic Hanna-Barbera characters are now girls. OK. Ahem. Squidly Diddly. Jabberjaw. Loopy Loop, Augie Doggy, Yakky Doodle. Chopper. Choo Choo. Brain. <laughs> spook. Baba Louie. Dixie. Big H. Hardy Har Har. And yappy, okay. Now, a lot of people might not
0: know a lot of those names. Yeah, it's like uh, people talking Gundam, you know? <laughs> or like on um, like on Saturday Night Live when somebody has to make a list of uh, ridiculous sounding old timey things. <laughs> yeah, <but> yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, like the first thing that happens in the first episode is that uh, Granny Sweet is in the hospital. And uh, Daddy Doggy introduces his daughter, Augie, to cheer her up. And Mm. Augie is singing a song about kitten around. And so, like, immediately, like, almost the first character you see has been gender swapped. And like I said, there that's the list. Uh, Some of them are like Baba Louie is now Bobby Louie. She is a businesswoman. Uh, burrow. Okay. Um, Hardy Har Har and Lippy the Lion are the uh, the old people. Uh, Hardy Har Har is the old lady who has to often cross the street and get run over or what have you. Mm. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> it's really int- and I think anybody who complains about this is you know just go along for the ride. Like, who cares? Oh no, they turned Dixie into a girl.
0: I think most of the people that will complain are too old to be on the internet, though.
1: Maybe. Yeah. I also think anybody who complains about that and doesn't complain that Yogi Bear is a doctor. You right. Can just, you can just dismiss their opinion immediately.
0: Um, well, but, well, I, was, I was thinking he was probably practicing without a license or something.
1: No, he's like the. I mean, he's Yogi Bear, but yeah. the actually Cindy is the smart one. It seems like okay. Cindy is the glue that holds things together, but um, Yogi seems to at least have the reputation of competence. Okay. Are there any um, humans in this town? Uh, well, only Hanna Barbera characters. There is, um, okay. there's Grandma Sweet. Right. There's uh, the that mill. There's this old guy who I can't remember his name, but he was the character who was always chasing Magilla Gorilla right and there's a couple of cameos by the guy who drives the that dune buggy okay what's that dune buggy speed speed buggy i think speed buggy yeah the guy who
0: drives that but no no speed buggy himself (laughs)
1: speed oh speed buggy's there okay he's usually he he just shows up a couple of times and it's usually like He's causing trouble, and his driver is telling him, Sweet Buggy, don't! Um, It also has a bit of adult humor to it, slightly. Um, Mm. You know, it has the standard thing, like the second episode, Grape Ape has collapsed in the middle of town, because he's giant. Mm. And the the three doctor bears are trying to get him out of his food coma, uh, which involves going inside him and then you know as Cindy is lamenting them Yogi and Boo Boo show up from the other side of the screen and say that they found another way out. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um Cute. one of my favorites is Loopy de Loop, who is a French wolf. Uh there's a <laughs> there's a part where it's an episode where Captain Caveman has found Junior uh frozen in uh in ice. And after going on snag to determine whether he was the father or not uh, via a DNA test, uh, he has to he has to look after uh, his kid instead of hanging out with his friends. And there's a there's a scene where Yogi, Boo Boo, Jabberjaw and Loopy DeLoop show up wanting to play uh, indoor badminton. And they need a fourth player because Loopy doesn't want to play. Mm. And Loopy says... I refuse to move my body for sport. Only pleasure. Huh. Cute. Which is, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, Yeah. So it's, this show is, it's on HBO Max, but you know, the internet. Oh, I, yeah. I think it, it loses a little steam the longer it goes. Sure. But it, uh, I think it's solidly worth at least investigating. Okay, and it's, and it's fun to just, you know, <laughs> like I said, like I, if you don't know these characters, like I don't like there was a it wasn't long before every time a female character showed up, I was like, oh, wait, were they originally male? Huh. You
0: can just like, bet yes. Well, yeah, like, like the only females are uh, uh, like <laughs> complete copies of the male plus a skirt.
1: I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, Oh, there's a good gag where um, uh, Cindy is at a is in a book club and she needs to read the book. Mm -hmm. And the other people in the group are talking about how steamy this novel was. And you see the cover of it. And, you know, those romance novels where it's like there's fire and this long haired guy is holding this woman, you know, the kind of cover I mean. I do. Well, this book was Fred and Wilma. (laughs) (laughs) Did he have a big muscly chest? Yeah. And long hair. And then she starts reading it and like it's (laughs) it starts with uh, Wilma watching Fred pull out of the driveway. Yeah. And it you know, she doesn't get any further than that because the point of the episode is she keeps getting interrupted. But like you can extrapolate where this plot is going from there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's pretty funny. So, yeah, the Jellystone is a solid show. It's definitely worth watching. Okay, cool. So, I guess now that we've talked about Hanna-Barbera cartoons... Let's go into uh, the origins. Yes.
0: Okay, well, the first cartoon I watched was Yogi from the Yogi Bear show, Booby-Trapped Bear, directed by William Hanna and Joseph Barbera themselves in hey. 1961. All right. So, I... Do I need to describe who Yogi is to people? I mean, we've talked about him
1: quite a bit already here. He's a bear who proclaims to be smarter than the average bear and usually uses this smarts to steal the picnic baskets from people in Jellystone Park. And thus, this cartoon starts off very typically.
0: (laughs) It's the beginning of tourist season in Jellystone, the park, not the city. (laughs) And Yogi Bear seeks to steal some picnic baskets
1: Oh, by the way, by the way, before you go any further. Yeah. um, The one thing that annoyed me about Jellystone is that he doesn't pronounce the word picnic that way. Oh. I was like, what are we even doing? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you stuck with it anyway. Yeah,
0: I did. Carry on. So his scheme is to, with his little assistant bear, Boo-Boo, to act as health inspectors. So they stop the cars. Boo-Boo tests the food of each vacationer. And then he pretends to be sickened or maybe dead. (laughs) And so Yogi confiscates each picnic basket. Notably, it doesn't really seem to fool them. They just go along with it because they're bears. (laughs) And anyway, so Mr. Ranger, Ranger Smith, he puts an end to this scheme and locks Yogi up despite an empty threat by Yogi to complain to the park superintendent. However, Ranger Smith comes up with a scheme of his own to make trapped picnic baskets in order to uh, put yogi off of them so he lets the lets the big bear out and watches him fall for each trap the first trap has a spring-loaded boxing glove in the picnic basket the second has a layer of deception a string attached to it tricks yogi into cutting it but that's actually part of the trap an anvil drops on the freeloader Hmm. and there's there's more booby traps And eventually it does scare Yogi off of picnic baskets. However, the chief ranger, the superintendent, I guess, comes to Ranger Smith to address a complaint about him molesting a bear. (laughs) (laughs) Yogi takes the high road, actually, and claims this just isn't true. However, when the chief helps himself to a nearby picnic basket, it's one of the traps and he's caught in a comic explosion. And so Ranger Smith, hoisted by his own petard, gets in trouble. And it is he who gets locked up in the same barred cave that Yogi was locked inside of earlier. So here's a funny thing. Yogi Bear is voiced by Dawes Butler. Yep. And I have thus far on Animation Celery talked about a cartoon where he played a park ranger against Fatso. So he switched (laughs) sides. (laughs) um don messick famed for scooby-doo and grandpa smurf is boo-boo and ranger smith yeah love don messick yeah he's all right yeah when you get down to it you can kind of hear the same voice when you think of ranger smith and uh grandpa smurf kinda papa smurf right or is it grandpa no you're right papa smurf i mean yeah okay okay a real grandpa he exists but different character yeah um so I, it's just one of these really simple premise cartoons but you know the characters have personality and enough that you know the actually it's kind of like when we talk about modern cartoons and how uh uh characters do make weird exclamations and the like right without mm-hmm. like i like when uh when Yogi is punched by the boxing glove, with his face caved in, he goes, "Who the wise guy? Who the wise guy?" Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, and I've, I've, about those those various traps. <laughs> so that picnic basket was that with the string on it. It was counterbalancing the <laughs> anvil hung from a tree. <laughs> like maybe, maybe he sewed like he pushed a needle with that sh- string through the picnic basket and then tied it to the table. Maybe. Yeah, like maybe the basket is screwed down or something. Or maybe it's full of bowling balls. Who knows? But yeah, that's (laughs) that was pretty funny. Yeah. There's another one where a tree has mostly been hewed away. Like just the last bit hasn't been cut by an axe. (laughs) And the picnic basket is supporting that gap. Now that trap is all on Yogi.
1: For falling for that one. <laughs> yeah, and also, um, presumably the park ranger who's supposed to protect the park yes. cut down that tree. Right. Uh, well, that's how far
0: his vendetta goes against Yogi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Do you think Yogi actually called the superintendent and that's why he shows up there? You know, I was wondering
1: about that. Like, I actually, until you mentioned it, yeah. him threatening to complain i yeah. had forgotten that that happened yeah well me too and i was wondering why the superintendent showed up and and got this complaint i'm like who complained about the him molesting of bear mm. um i guess you know it It would make sense if yogi made the call i don't know when he would have done it but it was
0: his one phone call i guess <laughs> before being going to the slammer maybe and <laughs> i'm uh Gonna put the logic uh, under the microscope here too. So the uh, this chief, the superintendent, he just sees a picnic basket and goes, "Oh, I'm pretty hungry," and just yeah, yeah. to eat stuff out of it. I, I yeah, I kind of thought that too. It's like you're no
1: better than the bear. Uh, he's drunk with power. <laughs> yeah. Um. This is a pretty uh, prototypical yogi
0: bear cartoon. Very much, except usually I think Yogi is the nemesis. He's usually the one that Smith is trying to overcome. And this one, Smith is the uh, the villain. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I like these characters. I mean, it's I've long said that Hanna-Barbera characters, that they themselves are funny, but the cartoons they're in are thin.
1: Mm, yeah. But, you know, not a bad time. Yeah, it was, it's, you know... This is Yogi Bear. This is what Yogi Bear does. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So, how about? I don't think there's any segue from Jellystone to the uh, <laughs> to the open seas.
1: Um, no. I'm trying to think of one, but uh, no, and no, whatever. It's uh, let's just move on. This is a Woody Woodpecker cartoon. This is called Dopey Dick the Pink Whale. Uh, This is from 1957, late in 1957, actually, like November. Hmm. And it is, as you may imagine, a parody of Moby Dick, which is a novel, which is basically about a sea captain named Ahab, who is the he's the captain of a whaling ship called uh, the Pequod. And he Hmm. is obsessed with tracking down this particular white sperm whale that bit his leg off. Apparently this is based on a actual whale named Mocha Dick. So named because he hung out by the Mocha islands. Okay. Um, But anyway, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, you know, the actual book Moby Dick is a lot about whaling ship and, but that's the basic idea. You have a sea captain who really wants to get this white whale. Hmm. In this case, we have a sea captain, Captain Dapper Denver Dooley. Yes. Yeah. Uh, He is the captain of the ship Peapod, and he is rallying his crew for their next voyage, which is a hunting expedition to track down the culprit who bit the butt of Dooley's pants down to his polka (laughs) dot boxers. And that culprit is Dopey Dick, the pink whale. But at the mention of the whale's name, the crew flees in terror, and so do the rats on the ship. Something I noticed here, there's the ropes that tie the ship to the harbor mm-hmm. have these disc things on them. And I don't know where I got this idea from, but I always thought that those discs were to stop rats from climbing up the ropes onto the ship. Huh. And if that is what they're for, then they did not do their job. Yeah. But anyway, install them
0: afterwards, I guess.
1: I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> sure. Keep the rats on the ship. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, Dooley, Dooley berates the cowards, but he's confident that he only needs one swab on his crew. And at this point, he spots Woody Woodpecker dancing along the dock with an accordion. <laughs> There's no trickery here. He just captures Woody in a net and tells him that he's his new crew, which is, I think, the definition of being shanghai Yep. Uh, so he, and the affable Woody is amenable to this idea. He just goes along with it, though he is skeptical that Dooley will actually find and eliminate dopey dick. Uh, there's an initial pratfall where he lowers the boom literally on Dooley's head. And this might lead you to believe that Woody is going to fight back against his Shanghaiing in a typical Woody Woodpecker way. But the narrator informs us that the ship actually searches for months which implies that Woody actually becomes a good and competent shipmate. They eventually find Dopey Dick, but when they do, Dooley's cowardice is displayed via a yellow streak running down his back and him turning into a chicken (laughs) (laughs) before diving down one of those pipe things that's on cartoon ship decks. Mm. While he's hiding, Dopey Dick rams the ship but hurts his head. He actually seems to be a peaceful whale and just asks Woody to make Dooley stop chasing him. Woody is something of a chaotic, neutral character in this cartoon. He doesn't exactly switch sides. He just kind of goes along with whatever anybody tells him to do. And in this case, Dopey Dick wants him to make Dooley stop chasing him. So he develops a plan and whispers it to Dopey's eye and... So begins a series of hijinks, which generally involve Woody feigning ineptness and thwarting Dooley's attempts to harpoon the pink whale, each punctuated by Dooley getting his butt bitten again and again, until he's finally left clinging to the wreckage of his destroyed ship while Woody water skis away, I guess being pulled by Dopey Dick. Yeah.
0: So. You know, it's you know funny. What? Is when he's talking to the crew and he demonstrates by like. Uh, turning to side profile so they can see his ruined pants yeah it's like somebody saying like i'll never wash this hand again when they shake (laughs) the hand you know like i'm never getting another pair of pants not until i get that whale yeah yeah
1: (laughs) i continue to like Dooley. He's I, funny. I, I like the way he animates. I like his fingers, like just the way he points. I don't know what it is, but there's something about his fingers that I like. I like his yeah. weird mouth and his teeth. I like his voice. Oh, Dal his McKinnon. Voice is perfect. I believe. Dal Dal McKinnon. I believe. Yeah. Um, nurse, bring me my breakfast. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> the the actual series of events in this is pretty. Um, What's the word I'm looking for here. It's hard for the course. It's not very smooth. It kind okay. of like there's a part where is it, after the encounter of the whale and mm. Woody shares his plan and then he alerts the captain. He's like, there she blows. And Dooley goes where and then gets squirted in the face with water. And before mm. there's even a follow up take to that, he's running in the other direction, telling him to man the harpoons or something like there's no everything kind of jumps from place to place without it's right. not a very smooth transition from from joke to joke and scene to scene it's like just images on a storyboard that just we we need to cram all this in here and who cares how we link them together not unlike the misguided missile yeah really. yeah yeah the, insur- um, the insurance examples yeah 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 um he should have bought some whale insurance yeah or at least By harpoon the- insurance <laughs> This cartoon came out two months before Misguided Missile, hmm. which means Grace Stafford is not credited as Woody's voice yet. Hmm. It's like she was two months too soon for that. Hmm. Um, but But um, yeah, this is I mean, this is a pretty typical Woody Woodpecker cartoon right down to the well of this era, I should say. Yeah. Right down to the. Rapid cuts between gags without much mm. like like you consider the other one that we watched the um uh wet blanket policy where yeah. there actually was a transition from thing to thing in that right and this eh, you know it's 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 a Woody Woodpecker cartoon of the time but hey I'm I'm always happy to
0: see more of Dooley oh yes this His... is my my dapper Denver Dooley
1: Renaissance oh yeah. His yeah. butt must be so scarred. He got hit in the butt with three <laughs> harpoons and, and barely reacted. <laughs> Maybe he just thought, that's weird. Fire again. <laughs> well, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, Captain Ahab, when he lost his leg, he had a prosthetic made carved from the whale bone, uh, uh, the right. jawbone of a whale. Yeah. So I wonder if Dooley has like a prosthetic whale bone butt. <laughs> like
0: wombats you know that about wombats no they have like super reinforced butts (laughs) so (laughs) that's the way they can harm something is by you know by turning away from them (laughs) they they make vast subterranean chambers and Mm -hmm. when there's like floods other animals will uh take shelter in their lairs (laughs) but the wombats are relatively safe because well
1: they have armored butts weird Anyway. Yeah. So there we go. The great outdoors. Uh, We got yeah, nice. nature. There's nature. Whale. Nature. There's a recurring theme. Whale's an animal,
0: right? Yeah. How about how about we talk about Augie Doggie and Doggy Daddy in their cartoon Pops Nature Pup directed by Joseph Hanna and William Barbera again, this time 1960. Oh, yeah. Daddy is little girl. Yes. <laughs> what a mouthful anyway, huh? Augie yeah. Doggie and Doggie Daddy Pops Nature pop. Yeah.
1: Oh, by the way, I, I before we recorded, I said I was going to bring this up. Yeah, there is an episode in Jellystone where Yogi questions that it's weird that or somebody questions why they call him Daddy. Mm-hmm. And I think he says something like it just feels right or something like that. But it's mm. but yeah, his name is just Daddy. Well,
0: these characters, it's about a father-son-dog relationship. Son? <laughs> well, I'm he calls outraged. him son here. He calls him son here. <laughs> he was, this is before Augie transitioned. <laughs> <laughs> so, Before they uh, drew eyelashes on his eyes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it, this is like a loving relationship between a father and son. Uh, the father always wants to... Uh, take care of his son and, and show him the correct way to do things. But he himself is inept and the son is, you know, he's, he, he, well, anyway, we'll get into it in this cartoon. So yeah. doggy daddy, daddy is reading the newspaper and he overhears his son, Augie hooting in order to communicate with an owl at the windowsill. The father chides his son over not doing his nature study homework, but the pup claims that he doesn't need to study Nature itself teaches him all he needs to know. Specifically, the birds and the bees, but actually that owl, whose (laughs) name is Josh. (laughs) Daddy takes his son on a car ride to teach him about nature. A duck flying south for the winter is warned by Augie through a series of quacks that he's going the wrong way. This bird speech worries Daddy that his son may be an odd duck. The papa dog... This is this being now when they're in their nature, he tries to light a fire, but Augie shows him how it's really done, and it singes his unprepared elder. <laughs> he then sends his son to get water, but the boy shortcuts to getting water with a rain dance, like the Indians do. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting the dirty stare. Okay. Um <laughs> The next example of their disparity is Daddy getting chased by bees when he tries to take their honey. Augie saves him by talking the bees' buzzy language. Lastly, Daddy runs afoul of a skunk when he tries to trap some wildlife. Then the stinky dog ruminates about not being able to drive because he's too stinky to get into the car. His son has the solution again. The father rides in a trailer while the bear drives. But it's not just any bear. It's the smarter than your average bear yogi, making a cameo at the end. (laughs) All right. Um, Doug Young voices Daddy. And for Augie, you guessed it, Dawes Butler. (laughs) Yep. He's kind of uh, the Mel Blanc of um,
1: Hanna-Barbera. Yeah, sort of. He's, he's, he's like, you know, I was complaining last time about Rob Paulson is everywhere and Jim yeah. Cummings and Tress McNeil. Well, you know, 40 years before that, there was an even smaller pool of voice actors to draw from. Right, right. Like, you got a woman? Oh, it's June 4A. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, but
0: I think he's good. Yeah. I mean, Hanna-Barbera characters are not well animated. No. And... Like I said, the characters are funny. Their stories aren't any kind of revolution.
1: No. I mean, it, a lot of them were made for TV, so they had to churn out a bunch of them even quicker than other studios had to churn them out for the theaters. Right. And
0: on style, it's just mostly it's their personalities and vocal tics. Yeah. So, like, you know, hey, hey Yogi had this kind of flim flammy huckster kind of thing going on, right? And Yeah. Um, these dogs, <laughs> they have this overly genial kind of thing going on where, like, Daddy says, Augie, my son, my son. And uh, Augie says, like,
1: dear old dad to him. Yeah. Daddy is a uh, homage slash parody of um, uh, Jimmy Durante. Have you ever watched a Jimmy Durante movie? <laughs> I haven't, but... yeah. I have, I've seen two things. Mm. I've seen a little clip of him singing Inka Dinka Doo. Mm. And I've seen like a little bit of him in, I think the movie is called My Stepmother is an Alien. Yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> uh,
0: what a, what a bad legacy.
1: <laughs> All I know about Jimmy Durante is that he has that voice and in looney tunes and other cartoons he was always depicted with a gigantic nose like yeah. i remember some i remember a looney tunes cartoon where they're doing like a uh, a tour of the stars homes and there's like this little house that's like a garden shed but it's got this big rounded oval thing sticking out the side and, it, okay. and the door opens and it's like for jimmy duranti to fit his nose inside
0: <laughs> ha funny stuff yeah these All these uh, personalities, for us, mostly exist, exist
1: as cartoons. Yeah. Like W.C. Fields as well. Yeah. I lament that. I lament that, you know, like, think about as recently as, like, Tim Burton's Corpse Bride. Mm-hmm. There was a character in that who was a parody slash homage, homage, whatever, uh, to Peter Laurie. Right. Like, oh,
0: yeah. Another one. Yeah. Like,
1: there's still they're still doing parodies of these like really memorable celebrities from the old days. Like, do you think that 40 years from now, you know, they're going to be making cartoons where there's a character who's a, a character who is a parody of Ryan Reynolds. Like who, who is a memorable actor right now? Jim Carrey, maybe. Well, sure. Uh, well, I bet you there are a lot of kids
0: right now who only know Christopher Walken by his parodies. Maybe. Anyway, Daddy does not have a big nose. <laughs> no, well, I mean, Just he's, arbitrarily he's a He's got that voice. Yeah, like he's he's got as big a nose as a dog would have, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking also of voice things, when he gets sprayed by the skunk and then uh, Augie's conferring with the skunk in skunk language, well, half yeah. skunk pigeon, I guess. Yeah. I like that the skunk answers to having sprayed him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) These.
1: Well, first of all, did you know these are supposed to be Doshans? I never really thought too much about what breed of dog, but I could see that. Yeah,
0: everybody's long bodied in uh, Hanna-Barbera cartoons, but I would have thought something else. Eh. They were never my favorite, but I as a kid, they didn't really run. These Hanna-Barbera cartoons on uh, Hanna-Barbera cartoons on TV. No. Um, What they had were other iterations of them, like Laugh Olympics. Huh, yeah. You you remember that? Yeah, it's like there's a sporting event that had three teams of Hanna-Barbera characters.
1: They were already just melding the Hanna-Barbera universes 30 years before Jellystone. Oh, forever. Um,
0: They were saving
1: Christmas. Right, yeah,
0: or that really weird one where they're on the ark, you know that <laughs> one? They're looking for the perfect place, and they're on the uh, this flying Final Fantasy kind of uh, frigate that's uh, lifted by a, a big propeller overhead. It's weird, <laughs> very weird. Um, I mean, it just sounds like the airships
1: in Super Mario Brothers Three. <laughs>
0: well, that too, that too. But they're the, it's, it's kind of hippie, I guess. Where like yeah. uh, the cities are all too smoggy, so they've they've taken off. There's, there's a really weird, um, Ben Edlund who did the tick, he did a uh, one shot comic Mm -hmm. that was like a dramatization of that, uh, uh, Yogi's art cartoon. So he drew everybody realistically. He drew Yogi like a realistic bear (laughs) and they, they had like a religious sort of reverence for Ranger Smith whose bones they had up on the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Yeah, I was at the back of a Tick comic, but <clears throat> um, anyway, I was, was going to say about uh, whenever these properties uh, merged, I never liked Oggy Doggy, and Daddy, but they don't really. I guess they don't have a lot of charm if they don't get to do anything except for be part of a crowd. Yeah. Whereas characters like Quick Draw are more
1: overt. Yeah. Jellystone plays with it by making Daddy really overprotective and uh, Augie really uh, naive. They make a whole Mm. episode about them going to a a supermarket and they forgot bananas. And so there's Mm. this harrowing experience of Daddy having to hold their place in line while Augie goes by herself into the supermarket. That's just a whole episode. They give them some character, like they put them in, they, they put them in because, because like you said, like they've been mixed together so much just as names in a bigger story that you don't get to see them doing much. And so it's weird right. when you actually see them doing something like this. Hmm. Well,
0: th- this cartoon was all right. Like I said, it, it gave me a, a better look at them being actually, actually starring in a cartoon. Yeah. And I thought... I thought Auggie was pretty charming with his eccentricity and his barely-efforted attempts to communicate with
1: animals. Oh you know? well, yeah, like it's it's the typical thing of like every time a cartoon father is gonna think he's gonna teach his son something, the son invariably already knows better than the dad. Hmm. Yeah, it's like
0: like Spike and Tyke. Eh. Although he should be killed anyway. Spike <laughs> is the black cat. We'll we'll get into that some other time, I guess. We talk about (laughs) more Tom and Jerry stuff. Hey, Tom and Jerry stuff. Oh,
1: gosh. Whoo, boy. Okay, so next we got a Tom and Jerry cartoon and a very special Tom and Jerry cartoon. (laughs) Uh, This is called Dickie Moe. The uh, the the parody there being pretty obvious. Hmm. Uh this cartoon is from nineteen sixty one, and it's from a weird era in Tom and Jerry's history. Uh let me explain the plot first, and then we'll go into the uh specifics of why this cartoon's so weird. So, this time we we're aboard the ship Comquat, <laughs> and there's an unidentified captain pacing around raging about the white male. What Wait <laughs> raging about white males. <laughs> the, the white male. He's trying to keep a captain down. <laughs> Appropriating Indian rain dances. Yeah. Um <laughs> No, uh he's raging about the white whale. Dickie Moe, just
0: Dicky Mo
1: <laughs> Like he's he he's he's infuriated and his crew watches with concern. And when they see the captain so overcome with rage that he just tears up and eats a picture of Dickie Mo, <laughs> which is hilarious.
0: Oh, yeah. It's just as
1: funny as Mike is making it sound with his laugh there. It's really good. Uh, and just like Dooley, they all abandon ship. This is not something that happens in the book, Moby Dick.
0: Hmm.
1: And yet it happens in both of these. Yes. And just like Dooley, the captain finds a replacement on the docks in the form of Tom the cat. Now, at first, Tom thinks he's in for a relaxing sea cruise, but he is swiftly put to work scrubbing the deck. And this is when he has his first run in with Jerry, the mouse who lives on the ship. Uh, There's a gag here where Jerry... (laughs) There's actually a lot of good gags in this cartoon, I thought. Surprising. Um, Like... Tom grabs Jerry and scrubs him until all the paint comes off of his outline. It's just the outline Hmm. of Jerry. Jerry counters by replacing Tom's scrub bucket with a bucket of tar, which, of course, makes the deck even worse. Uh, And in the commotion, Tom ends up doused in tar. And this is my favorite gag in the whole thing. He he culminates in him avoiding the captain's wrath by pretending to be the captain's shadow, pacing back and forth along the wall beside him. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, It's animated well, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's a few more gags here involving Tom trying to eliminate Jerry. Jerry turns the tables, the captain's angry. And then the white whale finally appears. And at this point, Tom is recovering from... (laughs) Talk about... So you talked about the anvil gag in the Yogi Bear cartoon. Hmm. Get this one. He actually, I guess the. um, Oh, it was it was the one where, you know, you said it was on Yogi, the one with the tree. Yes. Well, anyway, this one. (laughs) Tom puts down a piece of cheese underneath an anvil that he's holding up by a rope (laughs) and knocks on Jerry's door. And Jerry comes out. He sees the cheese, but he also sees Tom's foot. And so he gets a fish and he comes out and Tom watches as he goes out, grabs the cheese and replaces it with a fish. And then he lets go of the anvil and pounces on the fish <laughs> yeah. and gets squashed by his own anvil. Uh, one of the dumbest things I've ever seen a cartoon character do. And he's it's, pretty fleet of foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's climbing. He, he's trying to get up just as uh, Dickie Mo appears. And... Uh, Jerry helps him out by giving him a rope, but it turns out that the rope is attached to the harpoon that the captain is firing at Dickie Moe. Tom ends up tied to the whale, screaming for help in a really harrowing way. Oh, yes. While the captain yells the immortal line, come back with my whale. And Jerry tisks in mock sympathy.
0: This has to be one of Tom's most terrifying fates. Oh, God.
1: This is... Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) uh, This is actually very similar to what happens to Ahab in Moby Dick. Mm. He uh, harpoons Moby Dick, um, and while he's trying to get the harpoon free, the rope tangles around his neck, and he's dragged underwater by Moby Dick. Hmm. But yeah, like, and just the voice, like, it's not, you know, I mean, Tom and Jerry don't really have voices. I mean, you could make the argument that Tom is voiced by, I think it's, what's the guy's name? That Lummox? Uh, I can't think of, but he,
0: he, he's occasionally makes various kinds of voices, right? Yeah. Like, you know, if a, if a windowsill falls on his neck, he makes that oh, sound, you know, and he's got that oh, sound too. Oh, he's got that.
1: Oh, I just remembered now he has a a scream that he builds up. By yeah, he goes,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, Um, and then but, in, in regular,
0: I, I consider this not to be a regular Tom and Jerry cartoon, yeah. In, in regular ones, he he has twice done that thing where he has that echoey, don't you believe it? Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that
0: like terrifies me as much as that, uh, that alien at the end of the Star Trek credits. Oh, that, yeah, that that false face alien, you know, you don't anyway, mm, yeah. So his voice kind of echoes here. And I was thinking, what is so off-putting? Uh, I guess we were going to get to this, that these this uh, series of Tom and Jerry cartoons is animated in Czechoslovakia. Yeah. And they're the oddballs that uh, almost
1: everyone agrees. These are the weird Tom and Jerry cartoons. Yeah. It's hard to explain. If you saw, like, if I listed off some of the um, the cartoons, like mm. there's one where... Uh, to their, uh, Tom's owner is barbecuing in the backyard. Hmm. There's one where I think Jerry gets tired of Tom, um, fighting him and goes off to join the space program and goes into space. Hmm. Um, it's like you said, animated in in Prague. It's
0: not bad animation, exactly. No, it's just it's not weird. as good. It's it's weird, and I think. Uh, other contributors to it being weird. We see full on humans with faces and they speak too. It's just, well, they don't really speak. They snarl and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like this one, this one just goes, Um, yeah. yeah. So that's weird. And then the sound effects, a lot of them have just kind of like an alien quality to them.
1: They have an echo. They, they're trying to like, they, if I remember correctly, uh there there's a lot of like futuristic sound effects with, with lots of reverb on them like they wanted to sound really like uh modern i guess when when the
0: captain shoves the scrub brush in tom's mouth there's a weird like Zhoop! sound effect that, that with mm-hmm. an echo yeah everything echoes It's just weird weird yeah it's it, these are very strange um it's not worker and parasite though theres The Simpsons made fun of this, mm-hmm. and they really exaggerated how weird those were the the parody of Itchy and Scratchy, yes, they're not weird like that. The animation is okay, and
1: the music is okay yeah they're 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 fine, they're just strange like i got you know I have a lot of affection for a lot of these
0: cartoons um. Well, probably more so than any of the Hanna-Barbera, Tom and Jerry stuff, like the Tom and Jerry All-Star Show and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Or Tom and Jerry Kids. Yeah. Those
1: are way less interesting. Yeah. These are these are kind of surreal. Yeah. It's, you know, this this podcast has its roots in this because like one of the, you know, I mean, we've been talking about cartoons, you know, we've known each other for like 25 years and we've yeah. been talking about cartoons for a lot of
0: that. Um, oh, and a lot of those years i I would pitch that we should do a podcast like this. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I I also had that idea. Yeah. And invariably your your uh, example would be, you know, and then we talk about cartoons like, I don't know,
1: Dicky Moe. <laughs> it would always be Dicky Moe. <laughs> well, I think I think I said those weird check Tom and Jerry oh, cartoons. Right. And then you said, Dickie Moe. And I was like, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, like it's, it's talking about cartoons like this, specifically like this, that led to us finally saying, well, let's actually do it. So yeah. this is like one of the official cartoons of animation celery, Dickie Moe, Hall of Fame. <laughs> right. um
0: and it's <laughs> when we have when we have an opening it'll have like a picture uh, framed pictures on the wall and one of them will be tom chained to Dickie mo <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> but yeah this is actually a really good cartoon too like a lot of the gags uh, like i said you know i mean there's tom being an idiot with that anvil but at the same time like that whole sequence with the bucket of tar was pretty solid yeah um
0: yeah it's just that it makes you feel kind of sick to watch for whatever reason, it's it's
1: it's weird. Like, and it's it's interesting because no other cartoon has a deviation like this, you know, like hmm. Looney Tunes, you know, things evolved. Like, obviously, you look at old Looney Tunes and or or Mickey Mouse cartoons and you go into the modern ones and you can see how they, they evolve. But there's no cartoon series that has this complete like the series of 13 cartoons that are made in a completely different style in a, I mean, this was when Czechoslovakia was behind the iron curtain. Like, yeah, this is the only cartoon series that has this weird, like I said, deviation. Like it's just this little period where all of a sudden Tom and Jerry cartoons got weird. And it's, I guess there's at. never, there's
0: never been any reference for Tom and Jerry. Really just do whatever you want with them. that has been kind of the thing for decades. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. I think that's it. I think that's our show. Okay. Yeah, we have to outline what we're going to watch next week. Oh, what's that going to be? Well, rather than give each other assignments, we've mutually decided, just as we did when we watched the first four episodes of The New Adventures of He-Man, we're going to take a taste of the first four episodes of a French action cartoon from 1987 called Spartacus and the Sun Beneath the Sea. We mentioned this last week, mentioning
1: that it had a really good theme song.
0: Yeah, but I think we're going semi-blind into this.
1: I've seen some of them, but I never dedicated myself to it. I recently watched like the first few seconds of the first episode because I wanted to hear the theme song. Yeah. And I got a little ways in, like I, I, I couldn't even tell you anything about what I saw. Like it was so brief before I called it. That I, you know, I, I, I'm i going in largely blind, just like you said.
0: Yeah, well, our stalkers should uh, have a listen to the theme song, at least, to oh, yeah. uh, get a little pumped for this. Let's see if I can find it and tweet it. Yeah, that at least is pretty good. Uh-huh. Now, that really is our show. Yeah. So, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, please let us know what you think of the show, or... Tell us how we're so wrong about our reviews. Man, Digimon sucks. Yeah. <laughs> how about telling us what to watch? Do you have a radical, dangerous agenda you want us to promote? Huh. Just tweet at
1: us. You can reach me at drabswatch. They want to recast us as girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm AC Matzy on Twitter. So until next time, from the Czech Republic, here's the Celery Stalker slogan. You're a dicky mole! Come